the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Well, it is time for the Larry Rosenthal Show. (laughs) We're having lots of fun here today. A little bit of an echo here, Larry. Sorry about that. That's okay. We'll just pick it up and run with it, Chris. Good morning. Happy 2024. How are you today? these problems i'm having with these microphones and stuff it's got to be 2024 that's what it is my mic's working yeah yours working that <laughs> really matters you can hear you so let's rock all right well good morning everyone and welcome welcome to 2024 our first live broadcast of 2024 after a very very interesting 2023 we're going to recap that a little bit and give us kind of a view a lens if you would down the road into 2024 where we are and what's going on i'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners on wava in the dc baltimore area as on uh, 105.1 fm as well as our listeners on sirius xm family talk channel 131 nationwide and larry rosenthal.tv out there on youtube you can go check it out and watch us live stream the show we're in different locations today so that's kind of an interesting thing to see we're all spread around the country with uh, some travels and stuff going on with 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 us all but uh, check that out at larry rosenthal.tv we are also we've got so much on the docket as we always do right uh, the other day we put out, we've got a lot of requests again for our uh, educational webinars that we do, and we've got our whole monthly thing agenda lined up already. We'll be putting it up on our website here in the, in the next handful of days, so check that out at LarryRosenthal.com or RosenthalWealthManagement.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletters and our and our. Uh, 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 you know, information. We send out, matter of fact, we send out a, a market commentary each week, Chris, uh, Monday morning, right all hot off the press of just what happened the following week. We want to continue to provide education, financial education um, for, for, for people from the right way to do things with a biblical perspective on everything. So what's happened this past week in the markets? What happened in 2023? 2023, in a, in a short recap, the markets were pretty good. There were certain sectors that way outperformed and certain sectors that underperformed. And that, that led me, that leads me into some questions that I've received, you know, in our mailbag that we get. And I've got a lot of questions on about what are we facing in 2024. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's recap where we are. You know, December jobs number came out the other day with 216,000 216, uh, uh, <coughs> jobs expected, which was stronger than what we had anticipated. That shot yields up, and that immediately pulled everybody back from thinking, hey, the Fed's going to start to lower in March, right? We had a 100% Fed futures bet, basically, that the Federal Reserve was going to start to lower interest rates in March of 2024. That dropped instantly to about 60%. So uh, the good news is there were some adjustments, downward revisions to to, uh, November and October numbers that 
brought yields back just slightly below four percent uh, on the ten-year yield which is a big deal remember I've always been telling everybody watch that ten-year interest rate when it gets above four four and a half or so the economy gets very very tight we experienced that sell-off last year in in October and a little bit into November until yields started to come back down again so keep your eye on that as well we do have some uh, positive news on inflation which is a good thing because we're still seeing inflation coming down although some of the issues that are happening in the Red Sea with supply chain distributions being being disrupted or elongated as far as going around the Horn of Africa now instead of through the Suez Canal uh, that's delaying shipments it's delaying goods and services which is going to hurt hurt inflation pressures here uh, in the coming months we expect to see that settle out once that supply chain gets back on track again so not a major issue at this particular point in time you know it is about the fed it has about the it has always been about the fed you've got fiscal policy which is tax and spend through the white house and congress and then you've got monetary policy from the fed and you know the fed just released its its uh, open market committee mini notes uh... from december and basically they are they are already engaging in the conversation of looking to ease have an easier monetary policy in 2024 that means the lowering of rates that means we could be on the precipice of a brand new economic cycle actually starting in 2024 I'm not ready to wave the all-clear flag yet but you know let's get ready let's take a look at our portfolios make sure that we are in the right places economically for, for when the Fed starts to lower rates and drop rates, that way we'll be in the position to catch that wave, that next wave that rides to the shore. You know, so that's a good thing. Our next inflation number that comes out basically is going to be January 11th. We'll get the December number of inflation. We expect it to be just about the same. Uh, in April, we'll see a number drop just by looking at the math, and then again in November, we'll see it drop down too. So, so we're going to see it ebb and flow right along, right around this three percent number. The good news is PCE, uh, personal consumptions and expenditures, which is the Fed's number one uh, metric that they look at, is still continuing to drop. So that's a good thing from that standpoint. Um, a lot of uh, Wall Street firms have come out. I'm not going to list the names of them. There's too many. Uh, but we have consensus of about 50% saying this year the market's going to be flat and about 50% saying this year we'll see new highs. Okay, So, so we, we've got a bifurcated, if you will, um, uh, prediction, and, and that's always fun to see. I'll tell you what, though, last year in 2023, the vast majority of all their predictions were way off, way off completely in interest rates, in market performance, the whole nine yards. So that was an interesting thing to see, how, how we always compare and contrast. And we've got it all written down in our office on, you know, this is what this person said. And anyway, uh, it's, it's always fun to, to, to sort of see that. But with 2024, with 2023 being in our rearview mirror now, 2024 ushered in what are we looking at what is the economic out out uh, what is the economic landscape if you will look like in 2024 we've got interest rates at a restrictive policy right now meaning that interest rates are technically higher than the rate of inflation that should still continue to slow down the economy what is the probability of a recession 
in 2022, 2023, everybody was running around screaming and yelling, we're going to have this big, bad recession, right? But a few of us were saying, I don't think that's going to be the case. It hasn't hit yet. If it does, we do expect to see a little bit of a slowdown in the first quarter of this year, not necessarily a recession, okay? If you take a look very simply at ISM, you know, uh, Institute for Supply Management, ISM numbers came down uh, in December from 52 to about 50, which is still showing expansion, but things have slowed down a little bit, okay? And that's because of the rate of inflation that we've had and the rate of interest rates that we've had. We're working our way through this. Again, we're still in the camp if we do dip into a recession, which looks less and less probable at this point. We feel it's going to be very very shallow and short-lived, okay? And it's not going to be a big issue at all for, for, for for the country. That's the position that we're in. So with that being said, if the economy has enough of a slowdown that the Fed is already predicting that and already looking to start the conversation of lowering interest rates to stimulate, that means that some of the things that did well last year will continue, but other sectors may need to be changed around based off of that. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be coming. Uh, that's going to be a, a bigger part of the conversation in the coming months. Some people are already starting to talk about it. We're looking at that already down the road. So, so how do you reposition your portfolio in a lowering interest rate environment, a rising earnings environment, expansion numbers on the PE numbers, right? How do you position yourself? What asset classes do you want to move away from? What asset classes do you want to move toward? As time comes out, each and every week, we'll be bringing these economic updates at the start of the, the hour here. But, you know, what, let's, let's, let's put some things in perspective, too, at the beginning of a year. One of the things that I always tell my clients at the beginning of each year is save 1% more. Try to save 1% more on all of your savings, whether you're saving in your retirement plans or outside your retirement plans. Just look at what you saved and try to save 1% or 2% more this year. Aggregately, as you continue to age, as the calendar continues to flip forward toward your economic goals, college funding, retirement, you know, uh, a new condo or whatever it may be, right, uh, as you continue to save more and more, you're just buying more shares of investments to be able to use for yourself later in life. So try to sit back and say, hey, you know what, let's try and see if we can save a little bit more for the first two or three months. There's a good chance you won't miss 1% extra savings. But think about that. At the end of four or five years, how much more you're actually saving each pay period. As your paychecks go up, and and paychecks went up last year 4.1%. So let's take a little bit of that, and let's put it back and, and save some of it too as as well. But keep in mind as well, you know what what uh, uh, what the Bible says about money in Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money at the same time. We need to keep money in its place. Money is amoral. Money is a tool that the Lord's given us that we need to use to enrich the relationships in our lives, um, further His kingdom. Here, here on earth, right? So, so make sure that we're good stewards with the dollars that the Lord has given us.
So, hey, listen, let's keep the phone. Let's open up the phone lines here for the first time in 2024. We're going to have to take a quick commercial break here. Give us a call this morning with any of your financial planning, investment questions. What is your outlook for 2024? Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'm going to be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now. 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, I can't talk very much, Larry, because, you know, well, you know, I sounded like I'm in a can, so... We're back from the and ready to talk about more. Go, go ahead. I'm shutting up now. <laughs> Something's wrong with your mic today, Chris. Yeah, I don't know, is, but we'll figure it out eventually, yeah, right? Eventually. We've got all 2024 to figure it out. <laughs> so let's take a look at some of the changes that's taking place in 2024 from a tax perspective, from a perspective of how much more you can save, things of that nature. First of all, the standard deduction went up. You know, married filing jointly right now, the standard deduction has increased. Fifteen hundred dollars for for a couple. It's twenty nine thousand two hundred dollars for a single individual. Fourteen thousand six hundred dollars. That's those numbers are getting pretty large. That's a big number, you know. Uh, but remember, in two years from now, January of twenty twenty six, a lot of these changes underneath the tax, the underneath the Trump tax codes, change. They go back to a higher rate, lower deductions. That type of stuff, okay? So just be aware of that. So we've got a couple more years of this unless Congress acts to to change something else or to uphold a continuation of this. IRA, Roth IRA contributions, if you're under uh, 50 years old, you can put in $7,000 this year. For, for the catch-up provision, people 50 and over, you can add another 1000 That's $8,000. So a married couple filing jointly can put to get put away $16,000 into a Roth IRA in addition to anything you're doing in your retirement plan at work. And if you're a high income earner, you can still do the backdoor provision. That's still allowed under the Secure Act 2.0. 401k plans, 23,000 
Um, dollars is the federal limit that you can defer, and a catch-up on top of that for people 50 and over is $30,500. So a lot of opportunity to continue to save more and more. Tax brackets were were expanded just a little tiny bit. Not not uh, you know I'm not going to sit here and read every tax bracket, um, but but you know just think about this. We've got a little bit higher standard deduction, which for people that are not itemizing that can help. Okay, um, as well as you know if you're have a lot of deductions, then you obviously you'll itemize over that limit as well. But uh, compensation on SEPs is up to sixty nine thousand dollars on what you can put in. And the uh, minimum to participate there is $750. So there's just a handful of changes, enhancements that have taken place in 2024 um, from the ability to, to start uh, uh, saving more dollars. So that's a good thing, you know, from the, from the standpoint of, uh, uh, you know, of it all, uh, being able to save dollars that way. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Trudy on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Trudy. How are you today? Good morning. How can I help you? Yes, um, I was confused. When you start the mandatory distribution, um, let's say you've got some money in TSP and some money in an IRA outside of TSP. Um, if, if, if be with those calculations, they determine you have to take out, say, forty thousand. Um, can you be, be? Can you take it out of? I thought you could take it all out of, say, the IRA and leave the TSP alone. And then I heard on the on some podcast I listened to that no something about aggregation or something you have to take a portion out of each. No, that is incorrect, Trudy. Okay, if you have three IRAs, and let's say you have four IRAs, and your mm -hmm. aggregate amount is forty thousand dollars for your required minimum distribution, uh huh, you have the choice. You can take forty thousand out of one of them. To cover all four, or you could take ten thousand out of each one, or you could take thirty-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars out of one and one dollar out of another. It, it doesn't. It does not it matter. Seemed, it seemed like there was a difference because TSPs were different than IRAs; that they were treated mm. differently. That I had to take something out of them. It doesn't matter if it if the TSP is is not an IRA. I mean, it's. Different. So on the Whatever. on the TSP, uh -huh. if you have you retired and left money there? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're not working there anymore, right? Nope. Nope. And on the TSP, is it all pre-tax money? All pre-tax money. Then there's no difference. Okay. There's oh, wait, no difference. They put in something though, don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's still pre-tax. Right. Right. Yeah. Pre. So yeah, the, all pre-tax money. Yeah. Uh huh. Correct. There's zero difference on that now. Oh. With the TSP, let me let me let me let me share this with you as well. I don't know if anyone shared this with you. From an RMD standpoint, uh -huh. and from a I'd like to withdraw money to buy a car or take monthly money money you know money out each month to supplement my needs. You know the flexibility of the TSP program on the withdrawal side. Is very limited as compared to other places and yes, IRA. I realize, yeah, I realize that. Yep. Um, and so that yeah, is. I was just worried, and I know you can't do a um, a charitable whatever QCD or whatever all those things are. Right. You can't do that from a TSP. But right. I just wanted to. We were setting it aside 
for certain for certain something and didn't want to when the RMDs came have to take you know its proportion out of the TSP. So th th we either misunderstood the person or they were wrong. <laughs> yep, e either way. Yep, but no, that's Great. correct. And if you want, I'll I'll be happy to send you out some information on the required minimum distribution package, and it'll explain and break it all down for you. That as far that as would that be goes. great. Okay, well, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and put you on a quick hold. Trudy and Bob will get your contact information. Appreciate and we'll send you out all the rules and regulations on, on RMDs and things like that. You, you said something, and let me just ask you a quick question here as long as I have you. You said you had the TSP earmarked for something else. Uh, and so is, would it be in, by any chance earmarked for, like, beneficiaries, for kids or grandkids? This is what you want to leave the money to? No, we were going to use okay. it to pay off our um, our annual long-term care uh, stuff. Um, and we could do it from either, but it's just mentally we decided since it's harder to take money out that we would um, leave it. And, and that, that way we know the money's there to pay for our long-term care each year. May I share one other thing with you on that? Please do. So when you look at the TSP, you have the CGFS and I funds, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. you have the life cycle funds, which is a combination of all of those, right? Right. So let's, let us let me just do a simple example. Let's say there's a million dollars in the TSP. I wish, just, but go ahead. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's well, whether it's 10000 or 100000 right. doesn't matter, okay? I'll just uh -huh. do math very simple on 100000 Uh-huh. If you take a look at, the dividend interest, not the performance, but the dividend, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's suppose that the cost of your long-term care is $5,000, and I'm just uh -huh. going to make up this example, okay? And this is one of the um, – what I'm going to show you is where some of the investment choices in the TSP are lacking for what your need is with what you want to do. Okay. Let's suppose that the TSP earns nothing throughout the year. Right. Okay. So at the end of the year, you have a hundred thousand dollars, but now you only have ninety-five because you're taking five thousand out to. Pay, we're ignoring taxes. You're taking exactly. five thousand out to pay the long-term care insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Suppose you had had that money in the TSP into a dividend-producing or an income-producing IRA. Mm -hmm. Again, that the principal earned nothing. So at the beginning right. of the year, you have $100,000. At the end of the year, you have 100000 in principal. But during the course of the year, it earned 5% dividend interest. Mm -hmm. Now you can essentially pull that 5% dividend out, pay the long-term care, and still have the $100,000 of principal. Right, the so way you have to take it out of the TSP into it. What IRA you would do is a rollover. Yeah, you would do a rollover yeah. from the TSP into an IRA. And, and what I'm pointing out to you is this, is that in order to accomplish in this scenario, you have to sell off shares of ownership mm -hmm. in order to liquidate that $5,000 to pay the long-term care. Therefore, you lose the growth of those shares forever, the compound tax-deferred interest for you and your mm -hmm. family forever. Mm -hmm. So. There are there are investments. There are there are certain types of mutual funds. There are certain types of stocks and things like that that are designed with the primary objective to deliver income. 
growth is secondary. And and when you're telling me that we want to use the TSP money to pay a bill that comes due every year, I think it would be more advantageous to take a look at putting it into an income type of a position that the TSP does not have. Right. Because it's very limited in its investment choices. Right. So so that's something that I just want to provide with you some thought because if you if you spend that $5,000 in this example on uh, you know what on, on the long-term care, you forever lose that growth of it versus if it's an income, you're actually getting almost free you know distribution money through the through the creation of dividends uh, for that bill. So no, a that, lot of times really good yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times I'm, I'm reminded here of a client just a few years ago we did this for. He had a bill that comes due every single year for something in his family, and we took some of the money that's in his IRA and we put it into dividend stocks, and now he still owns the same number of shares, but the dividends are paying that bill for him. So he's going to uh -huh. be able to pass on even you know that same amount of wealth to his family. At, at some point, or when that bill gets retired, he doesn't have to pay it anymore. You know, so that's something that we need to take a look at. So, so Trudy, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold. Bob's listening. He'll get your contact information. We'll have one of our advisors send you out some information on the RMDs, all the rules around that, as well as looking at putting this money into a dividend income portfolio for you. Okay? Wonderful. Thank you. So, well, I just one quick question. You said in terms of giving it to to beneficiaries. The TSP is different than IRAs because no, you the, can't. The, no, the TSP is the same tax treatment as as uh, pre-tax IRAs. Um, the the limitation on the TSP is the withdrawal side of the TSP and uh -huh. the investment side of the TSP. Okay, it's okay. a great investment vehicle when you're 40 years old and you're just slamming money into that C fund and S fund and I fund the growth positions there. But now you're in a position where you need to harvest some of that money for income, okay. and it doesn't have, uh, uh, you know, an adequate source to do that from a dividend standpoint. Selling off shares, yes, but from a dividend income, no, not at all. This is very helpful. Thank you so much. I love your show every week. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Trudy. I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call, and Happy New Year. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, Trudy started asking about RMDs, required minimum distribution. And let's just talk a little bit about those uh, real quick. When you're 73 or older, you have to start taking money out of your pre-tax accounts. Uh, 401Ks, the government TSP, providing you're not working there anymore, your IRAs, things of that nature. And one of the changes that's taking place now is that it used to be a 50% tax penalty if you didn't pull it out. For example, here, let's suppose you had to take out $30,000 on your calculation for RMD, your required minimum distribution. If you failed to do that, you would have a 50% tax penalty plus income taxes on what that money was going to be taxed at. So you're looking at 15, you know, 80-some uh, percent almost taxes on that. Well, with the SECURE Act too, that's been reduced down to 25%. Okay, so you no longer have a tax penalty if you don't take the money out of 50%. It's reduced down to 25%. But guess what? If you can write a letter to the IRS and explain to the IRS in a timely manner 
okay, then they will reduce it further down to 10% penalty. What's so we went from uh, – that's the question. It's ambiguous. What is timely? I'm reading it right here out of the code. It says it, in, in a timely manner as defined by the IRS. Okay, uh, so, so what, is that, what does that actually mean? My point is this, is that um, make sure that if you did skip your RMD last year, that you write this letter, that you go to the IRS website and learn how to do that. The Secure Act 2.0 provides that provision for you. And let me tell you something, too, here. Um, this, this, this recently happened uh, in, in our firm. Uh, client came in and said they missed their RMD, and we checked and we said, "No, you didn't miss your RMD. Here, you know, here's everything." Unfortunately, there were some other investments elsewhere that we had no knowledge of. They didn't know about, uh, or, or we, they didn't tell us about, and they missed their RMDs on that. Okay, and so we're working with them now to show them how to reduce it down to that 10% level uh, of things. The other advisor was just it was just over their head on this stuff. But my, my point is that there's a friendly part of the SECURE Act 2.0 that came out to be able to do that. And also the, the another change has happened in 2024 with the benefit of Roth IRAs. And, and so let me just sort of read this to you. A, a primary benefit of Roth IRAs is that the account owners and their spouses are not required to take RMDs from those accounts during their lifetimes which can enhance, you know, a lot of their estate tax planning strategies, distribution plan, plans and things like that. So part of the 2.0, um, Secure Act 2.0, now pulls in workforce Roth accounts. So if you're putting money into your Roth retirement plan at work, it aligns it with individual Roths as well. Beginning in 2024, employer-sponsored Roth IRA, Roth 401ks will no longer be subject to RMDs during the original account owner's lifetime. It used to be in 2023 and prior, if you left money at your old 401k and it was in Roth, you had to take RMDs on it. That rule is now passed, nice. which is a very good thing. It's a very favorable thing. Thus, further knitting together the Roth IRA embedding it further and further into our tax code, which is a very good thing there. Now, obviously, there's rules. If someone passes, what has to happen? Those rules haven't changed there at all, either with the 10-year distribution and stuff. But another thing here, too, is for people that were born later, 1960 or later, your RMDs will not start at 73. They will start at 75, okay? So... In, in just a couple of years ago, we had the required minimum distribution for everyone starting at 70 and a half. Now, it, it moved to 72, and now it's 73, and for people born 1960 or later, it's 75 years old. So that's a good thing. That's a good enhancement. Um, you know, people are finally got their heads around last year's rule. Guess what? It's going to change. So, so that, those are some of the things that it's always going to change going forward is, is the tax code. We're going to continue to drive. You know, I was explaining to someone just the other day about, about looking at their investments and talking to them about tax efficiency. And, and some of their things were, were very inefficient on how they were looking at withdrawals and stuff like that because some of their benefits that they have. You know, if, if, if you, when you're sitting down with your financial advisor – 
he or she should be bringing into the conversation the tax impact on a lot of things that you're doing, the tax impact on paying off your mortgage or not, the tax impact on, on you know, just all different things centered around the overall financial plan. Because if they can help you, you know, harvest more net income, then that's just bottom line dollars that goes right into your pocket versus the IRS. So, hey, it's the bottom of the hour. I want to keep these phone lines open. Happy New Year, everybody. Give us a call here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Reach me live here in the studio today, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal, and we'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. You are echoing all over the place, Chris. You're like Super Bowl inside of a square box being shot out at 100 miles an hour, bouncing all around. But that's okay. I like that analogy. Let's go with that. There you go. That's okay. Hey, so it's 2024, and I'm already getting a lot of questions. Okay, so I thought, hey, let's pop open the email bag and see what's going on. What do you think one of the top questions are in, that's on people's mind? I started getting this question toward the end of last year and a lot right now. You're hearing it all over the financial airways, but that is about what's going to happen this year? 
Crickets from Chris. Okay, we're going to have an election this year, right? What's the history of elections? What's going on? Now, there are plenty of shows out there that have politics, right? Political talk shows, they're all over the place, right? They're a dime a dozen, but that's not where we're going today. But I do get this question often. You know, what? well, it's an election year. This, that, and the other is going to happen in the markets, right? Blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. There's really not a lot of rhyme or reason, all right? Uh, but, but I can tell you this, that in all election years, the average has been just a little over 11% return with the Republican election coming in at 15 and the Democrats right around 7. I'm rounding on these numbers, okay? Um, so, so positive returns. But, you know... How many times does a market hit a long-term average? Very rarely. As a matter of fact, the long-term average of the S&P 500, okay, through – I didn't get 23's number in this – through 2022 from 1957 is 10.13%. And over the last 43 years, it's only hit 10% average once. The market usually comes in below and above. Think about that. An average, you've got to come in below and above, Right. So that's kind of the bottom line there from that standpoint. But this year is very interesting when you take a look at the history of that fact, okay, coupled with the fact that right now, and it's a timing issue, and it could be a lucky one, right, that the Fed could be looking to start to lower interest rates a little bit. So that could help stimulate some growth in the economy too, you know. So, hey, uh, some uh, some more. So that's enough. What we're going to be talking about with 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 all of that. There's people that have opinions on all different types of things when it comes to that. Still, at the end of the day, it is about current tax rates, what's happening in the economy, what the Fed is doing, where corporate earnings are, PE ratios, the whole nine yards. Okay, um, so I. I in looking at the email bag here, rolling into 2024, I thought I would give some some questions and and planning, the things that were focused around planning, right? Um, not what's the market going to do, right? But but things that are focused around financial planning questions. You know, one of them is is should I pay off my mortgage of my primary home, or what about my rental properties? Should I pay those mortgages off? You know, when you break down and take a look at, at the leverage that real estate provides, the opportunity that it provides by OPM using other people's money, you, 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 you say, okay, what is equity doing in my home? It's, providing a ra- it's not providing a rate of return. It just simply goes up or down based off the value of the home. So if you look at – and I did this example the other day for a client of mine in the office, and I was explaining to her – that if you if you gauge the conversation of should I pay off my home strictly by the calculator, the calculator will tell you not to do it. And here's why. But then I'm going to bring back in in a moment the real financial planning world, okay? Here's why. Because when you simply look at the math, a mortgage is simple interest on a declining balance. Get this. It's simple interest on a balance that's declining. And by the way, you may have a tax deduction associated with that, but I'm ignoring taxes. Whereas an investment is compound interest on appreciating sums. So think about that. In your right hand, you have simple interest on a declining balance, and in your left hand, you have compound interest on appreciating sums. Over time, what do you think is going to happen? 
As that mortgage gets lower and lower, your investments get higher and higher, right? Okay. Now, suppose you take a look at that scenario and you go, well, gee, the calculator says I don't want to do, I shouldn't do this. Exactly right. But then you take a look at your financial planning desires. Do you want to have your home paid for just because that's what you want to do, right? Some people will say, hey, you know what, I want to go buy this brand of, of soda, which is a dollar more than the other brand of soda. Well, it's still soda. Get the cheaper one and save the money. No, you don't, want, you don't live your life like that, right? So a lot of people say, look, I want to pay my home off. That's one of our goals. We just don't want that bill, principal interest, uh, hanging over us in our retirement years. That's perfectly fine, too. What you do is you need to run out a financial plan and take a look at both scenarios, paying the home off or not paying the home off. To me, my objective, my job, is to show you and demonstrate to you the math and the education behind both sides of that equation, okay? Because you're still going to have taxes and insurance on the home even though it's paid for, right? You, you always will. There's nine different ways. I was explaining to my client the other day. There's nine different ways to manage equity in your home. Three of them show you how to pay it off early and the advantages, and three of them show the opposite, how not to pay it off early and the advantages of not doing that. And then three of them show you how to reduce debt and things of that uh, through that nature, through equity exchange programs and stuff like that. That's a different story. But you, you have to ask the question, is this going to be my forever home? And if the answer is no, you may skew to maybe not paying it off, you know. If it's yes, then you may skew toward paying it off. But either way, you have to run out the math both sides, paying the home off or not paying the home off. That way you can clearly make an informed decision for you and your family on what's best for you all to do. Now, rental properties, okay, should you have your rental properties paid for? In most cases, the best rental property is the one that's paid for because that gives you the largest amount of what we would call free cash flow coming in, right? Okay, so so how do you deal with that? And then one of the other questions on top of that is, hey, look, I wanna, I'm done with this rental property. I want to sell it, but I don't want to pay all the capital gains. I want to do a, a you know, 1031 Starker exchange, you know, a like-to-like -like property. That's fine. Sometimes people just say, I want to get out of the rental property game. Well, now you've got to look at depreciation recapture and a lot of different things like that. Another thing you can look at doing is donations, maybe donating that rental property and covering a tithe and things of that nature. There's a lot of things that you can do with a friendly part of the tax code and real estate. So, so those are some popular questions that we get a lot of times. Another one is, is you know, from the order of tax preference on distribution. So think about this for a second. There's three phases to financial planning. There's the accumulation phase, which is when you're growing your assets. There's the distribution phase when you're withdrawing your assets to supplement your retirement income. And then there's the legacy phase when you're passing your assets on to heirs, charities, or the IRS, right? So I want to talk about phase two right now, which is the distribution phase. When you have your money in your retirement plans and in your savings and things like that, and now you say, hey, I need to pull X amount of dollars out each month to make up the difference for what I used to have when I was working to what I have right now. The question there lies is, what is the order of tax preference, tax treatment 
which bucket of money should I be withdrawing first? Should I pull out my pre-tax money first? Should I pull out my after-tax non-qualified money first? Should I pull out my Roth money first? What is the order of distribution, and how do I set that up? And it's interesting today when you take a look at you know, the default system is this. Withdraw it in the most preferential tax treatment except withdraw your Roth IRA money last. So you would take your non-pre-tax money, withdraw that first because you pay capital gains on it. Then you would also take your – then after that you would take your pre-tax dollars, your 401Ks, IRAs, things like that, next and try and hold those off to your RMD age. And then last, take your Roth money. But there's some interesting things going on now with the standard deduction being so high at $29,000 and and some change for married couples. There's a lot of times now that people can look to take some of their pre-tax retirement dollars out maybe, maybe in a 10% or 12% tax bracket or 22% tax bracket while at the same time they put the money in at a 30% tax bracket. So you can win on that tax arbitrage. So it's very interesting for the next couple of years to really take a look at that on a tax return with, with people. And I was just speaking with a client the other day. I said, nope, let's take a look at your 2022 and your 23 when it gets done. Now they're moving into retirement. And anyway, just it's just it's just some number-crunching things. But again, what's the order of tax treatment to pull the dollars down, you know. Hey, stop and think about this for a second. The IRS views our money through four different lenses, okay. Think about your tax allocation in your retirement plans. And I've said this many times over the years. You control 100% of all the money in your pre-tax plans, but you only own about 65 or 70% of it because of the taxes. So think about how much money you've saved and what is the tax impact on withdrawing those dollars. Those are things that we need to take a look at to harvest down to minimize exposure on taxes to put more money in your pockets there. Um, Another question that we get here is should we convert or should we change our investments in 2024 to the ones that did really well in 2023? Okay. Uh, This is a very common question at the beginning of the year all the time because the thought process, I understand it, is, well, they're just going to continue, aren't they? You know? You know, you you still need to be diversified, and you still need to take a look at balance and risk, risk risk-adjusted returns. Oftentimes the answer is no, but if you really are convicted about a certain area, then possibly go ahead and make a little extra amount of money there. But you definitely don't want to just overweight something just for the fun of overweighting it, okay, just because you think it's going to continue. You could be very wrong, and you could be buying high and end up selling low. So don't make that mistake. The reverse of what you want. That's exactly right, Chris. It is the reverse of what you want. So, hey, I know we got a a handful of minutes left in the show. Let's go ahead and keep those phone lines open today. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. 
That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've heard oftentimes about asset allocation. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We need to understand tax allocation. The IRS views our money through four different tax lenses. Taxable, tax-deductible and deferred, non-deductible and deferred, tax-exempt, or tax-free. Stop for a moment and think, how much money have you saved up in your retirement plans, place the money that's never been taxed? Here's the rule on that. You control 100%, but you only own 65% of it. We need to make sure that our income in retirement years is tax-efficient to maintain your standard of living. Nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Chris, you still got that ping, but that's okay. Uh, I'm just using a megaphone today. That's that's my story. I'm sticking. <laughs> there you go. So you know, getting back to some of the outlook on 2024, the the question is uh, around the Fed still. When are they going to lower? If so, things like that, and the length of time that it usually takes from the Fed's last rate rate uh, rate hike when they paused is about seven to eight months on the average. And when you when you boil that down and take a look at it, you know, first part of this year, you know, March roughly is right around that, that particular point in time. So so some of those numbers, you know, could be playing out pretty pretty accurately, which would be a fun thing to see, you know, from that from that standpoint, right? Another question that we get a lot of in in the beginning of, of the years is, you know, well what if I would have timed my purchases correctly throughout last year? You know, I'm putting money into my retirement plans or I'm putting money into non-retirement plans, and I have the ability to control when the money goes in and when it doesn't go in. What you're looking at is something called dollar cost averaging where you put the same amount of money into the same investment every interval, whether it's monthly, weekly, quarterly, whatever it may be, that's going to give you the best average price. won't give you the best returns, but it's going to give you an average price over time. And that's what you want to get is just that average price over time. Continue to accumulate shares. That's what's going to help you to create wealth. Uh, and let's go ahead and bring Robin on from North Carolina. Good morning, Robin. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'll give a quick background of why I'm calling. So um, years ago, probably 12 years ago, I wanted to diversify my portfolio, and so I put money into gold and silver, and it went into a depository, uh, the first depository of Delaware. And I can say that because now it's public. It had been this past year or two 
um, the president of that depository had been arrested for $78 million of theft of people's assets. So, and mine was part of that. So, um, and I had been trying to get the assets, my first, you know, personal holdings of that, but I couldn't. Well, that was because the DOJ and everybody was not, you know, investigating. So, I end up getting my silver sent to me, but none of the gold. And they say that is an unaccounted for asset. Well, now I got a letter saying that uh, from the, because it was an IRA, that I'm, I have to claim that as an early withdrawal um, because I took it. And I said, no, I took it. To, it's, I'm not spending it. I'm keeping it, but I'm going to keep it safe because you've just stolen um, probably about $19,000 worth of gold. So my question to you is, is there, do I have to take this physical silver and put it back into an IRA somewhere? Well, I, yeah, what's your, I what's your, a little bit of what's going on here, Robin, is something called self-dealing rules with IRAs. When you put gold or, or real assets like real estate into IRAs, there's a self-dealing clause there that a lot of people aren't aware of. How long ago did you receive the silver? Because there's a 60-day rollover provision that you can put put assets back in. Okay, yeah, November. So you could be you could be running up along along that right now. Do you do your own taxes or do you have a, a tax preparer, a CPA? I have a tax preparer, CPA. I would take this exact question and the silver right over to him or her and say, I want to try and utilize the 60-day rollover portion of this to put it back into a self-directed IRA with silver in it, okay? Then I would probably consider looking to, you know, liquidate that and put it, put it into stocks and bonds and things like that. Then you're not going to have to deal with this kind of stuff in the future. But I'm sorry to hear that, but that's the only thing that I can think of um, from that standpoint. Now, if it's caught up into the self-dealing rules, then you might not be eligible for that 60-day rollover, but that's where a CPA's question is going to come in. That's what I would do for okay, you. Great. Okay, And second question on that, on the gold that was is an unaccounted for asset, is that considered a loss on my taxes? So you can't write off losses on um, um, in IRAs when you liquidate. Because you have a zero cost basis to begin with, but I know you can do things with worthless stock, and I don't know if that would qualify for that. So, again, that's a CPA question, okay? Well, that – yeah, but at least it gives me a path to go on. That's very interesting. It, okay. it does, yeah. It, it does. Um, but, you know, there's a whole different set of things when you're underneath the self-dealing rules with real assets inside IRAs. There's very, it's very, there's books written on this stuff, and it's it's very, uh, as you've seen, it's very complicated and and risky on these types of things. So, but that's what I would go ahead and yeah. do. There. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. We've got a couple callers online here. I'm going to stay in studio after the show ends here, Christmas. Oh, I see. Oh, we've got about 35 seconds left. I've got Marv on the line. Marv, I'm going to keep you on hold. And I'll pick you up in about 30 seconds from now. But uh, for Bob in the back answering the phones and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show. 
making money sense. Until then, check us out on our website, RosenthalWealthManagement.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, LarryRosenthal.tv, and follow us there for our streaming. So until next week, have a wonderful week. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.